0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Super stoked. Today, I've got a guest. His name is Wayne Ferdinand. He is a a business guru, for lack of a better term. Uh, This guy's all about planning, about leadership, about empowering people to build the business that they love. Um, And so I'm super stoked to have him on today. Got some commonalities. Wayne's also a veteran, but from way up north, right? He served in the Canadian military, uh, which is cool. You know, lots of joint operations with those cats in the past. So good dude awesome conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Be sure to check out his website at takeactionresults.com and without further uh or any more do, here's my special guest, Wayne Freddy. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All in running. Lift off. We have a lift
1: The air is so adrenaline.
0: in orbit. to All right, folks, welcome to the show. I'm here with my friend from way up north, Wayne Ferdinand. How are you today, sir? I'm awesome, Travis, and it's just a pleasure to be with you. So I'm stoked because, you know, our two great nations work together in a military way. And now on the flip side of service, we get to work together again. So I'm not going to bore people with that side of it. We'll get to it, I'm sure. But I want folks to hear from your mouth. Who are you and what are you about, sir?
1: Oh Well, thank you. Thanks, Travis. Um, again, name is Wayne Ferdinand. I'm a veteran uh, of the Canadian Army, 25 years total service, uh, 13 years in the regular forces. Then I had about a 10-year gap and a friend of mine recruited me into our reserve forces and I did about another 12, 13 years with that. I was in the Canadian Army. I was a communications officer or signal corps as we called it I was privileged to serve with a number of combat units, including our airborne regiment, uh, the Second Battalion, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. That got me to Europe. That was really fun. The whole battalion moved to Europe, and so my wife and I—we uh, got married shortly after I commissioned. And in nine years, we moved nine times, including three places in Europe, and had two kids. Man, I, <laughs> I got out of the Army, uh, regular Army, in the late 80s in Ottawa. Uh, I was sent back. I was working in project management. And I just thought there were other opportunities out there. And I, I, I had had a great career, uh, in, uh, but I learned a lot in the military. And I, I, I know we're going to be chatting about this later, but I really understood that I took some great skills with me out into the civilian marketplace. I remember reading a book, riding the bus back and forth to work, called What Color Is Your Parachute? And this was in the late 80s. And it was all about trying to understand how you could reinforce your strengths and minimize your weaknesses when you're having conversation with potential employers. And I, I learned that lesson really well. Ten years later, I got recruited into the Reserve Army. And that was an awesome experience working with our young men and women. And literally at the time, this was really at the beginning of, um, uh, you know, nine, just before 9-11. Uh, And Canada, of course, supported the Americans in that endeavor. Uh, And over my time, I sent a number of soldiers to Afghanistan. Thankfully, they all came home, some battered and bruised, but they did all come home. I volunteered, didn't tell my wife.
0: uh, Of course.
1: (laughs) At that point, they didn't need an old fart like me. But no, I've had a great career in the military. I've learned some tremendous skills. I've run sales and marketing teams for both public and private companies. I published a book in 2015 called Sales Leadership Distinctions with a Difference. Found out as good a salesman as I thought I was. I knew squat about marketing. (laughs) So I started going back online, learning how to market online. I turned my book into an online sales academy. And then about a year and a half ago, A friend of mine who had been a very successful business coach for almost 15 years asked me if that was something I was interested in, and I said, why? And he said, Wayne, with your background as an Army officer, you know, your planning, decision-making, team-building, leadership skills, your sales and marketing experience, you know, as a book author, having run international and national, he said, you're perfect for this. And it was like an aha moment. I mean, often we don't even see things that are right in front of us. So uh, I'm now, that's what I do. I, I, I'm a small business coach. I want to focus on working with veterans who have that entrepreneurial flair and just need some help, maybe getting where they want to go. So just really thrilled to be able to be a part of your podcast today, Travis, and uh, have a fun conversation.
0: I You know, I, I've told you already, I've been looking forward to it. Um, we had a we had a pre-show and it was a, a killer conversation. I think one of the things that stuck out to me during that pre-show is like, you know, I, I do a lot of pre-shows, do a lot of interviews, and it's like sometimes people say they're about something and then I get them on the pre-show and I'm like, mm, that was disingenuous. You're not really about it. But man, when you say you're passionate about helping like veterans enter into entrepreneurship, you are not joking. Like that is... Straight up a passion for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I'll I'll tell you, just um, I'm very excited about uh, something else. Um, Of course, the royal family has been in the news lately because uh, Prince Philip passed away. But Prince Charles, his eldest son and first in line to the throne, uh, started an initiative and uh, is behind a charity that supports veterans in Canada. And I'm part of what's called Operation Entrepreneur. And it's actually a mentorship program for military veterans trying to get their business started. So I had quite a process to go through to be approved, um, and I'm I'm thrilled. I I now have a mentee that I'm working with. It's awesome. It's completely voluntary, and it's just a great way to be able to give back to that community that gave me so much. It's uh, it's important to me.
0: And you know, it was crazy when when we got connected. I think maybe a week before that, I'd had a conversation with another, a veteran buddy of mine who I've had a few uh, business interactions with. And for whatever reason, like the bug had been planted in his head because he's an entrepreneur as well. And we had worked together um, and there was there were some bumps in the road getting his business started. And I kind of helped him through some of that. And it's something that we've discussed. Like he had all the skills he needed to do what he had to do. And he a lot of them had come organically from serving. And for whatever reason, like he gets on the civilian side of the house and it's like he brain dumps all the stuff he knew or doesn't even realize it's applicable to what he's trying to do now. Like, how often do you see that in what you're doing in this program?
1: Oh, constantly, constantly. And I think what really, what really sort of one of my big aha moments as I started into the coaching was we've all heard the old adage, you know, people don't plan to fail, they just, Failed a plan.
0: 100% true.
1: And then I figured out why. And it comes down to nobody teaches you how to plan. Right. Except the military. Sure. They beat it into you. You know, it's it's like it's a core skill. And and within the Canadian Army context, they actually say that the most difficult course a Canadian Army officer will attend, the nickname was Foxhole U for Foxhole University, It had a really long name, but it's basically Army Command and Staff College where you spend 22 weeks um, in Fort Frontenac in Kingston, Ontario. You're uh, sort of mid-senior captain, maybe once or twice, it'd be a a junior major on the course. And it's all about working as a staff officer in brigade or Divisional Headquarters. And it's all about learning how to plan and help commanders make operational decisions. And they, you know, the average homework was three hours a night, 10 hours on the weekend. And all of our directing staff, so-called instructors, had just their last their last tour of duty was as a commanding officer of an operational unit, whether it was artillery, infantry, armored corps, helicopter, doesn't matter. They, these were right. all right out of command. So you had the best of the best teaching these young minds. And that whole course really came down to learning how to plan for commanders. And I realized that that process can be so simply translated into helping solve everything from how to buy a house to how to run a business. So I'm really excited about that. That was really one of those big aha moments where I realized as a veteran, we bring to the table these skills and don't even realize we've got them. And and so that's really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, when I, when I, uh, here, maybe, maybe, let me, let me, let me back up. Have you heard of the mastery continuum? Yep. This is a really cool concept, but I always try and reinforce it with people. You know, when you're trying to learn something new, there's three steps to learning. There's there's kind of the uh, intellectual piece. So you can listen to this podcast. And, and if you're listening today, you're going to learn something, right? If you take a course online, you're going to learn something. If you watch a YouTube video, you're going to learn something. But the reality is, if you don't practice that new skill over and over every day, it's estimated that within four to six weeks, you will have forgotten as much as 85% of it. Right. Right. So the second level of learning something is the emotional mastery. And a great example, I'm I'm not a great golfer, but I love to golf. (laughs) <laughs> Think about golf as a great example. You can watch all kinds of videos. You can read books. You can just watch the golf channel all day. And you can say, oh, golf, pretty simple. Then you go to the driving reach. Intellectually, you know what to do. But the first time you swing at the ball, you might miss it completely or it goes off to the right or off to the left. And finally, you hit one perfectly and you go, oh, my God, I can do this. You create that emotional connection between what you learned and what you did. Right. And when you talk about what you and I love to do with people, which is the coaching, that's really where coaching lives. Coaching helps people take the lessons they might learn from a book or a video or a course, and it helps them apply those lessons and create the behaviors and create the habits and reinforce the skill and provide the accountability to help that person. The third level is physical mastery. Think of people like Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan in his in, in his basketball prime or Wayne Gretzky in hockey. You know, they say Michael Jordan used to throw something like a thousand free, shot, free throws in practice every day. Right. And it, we talk about muscle memory when it comes to sports and the ability when athletes are in the zone just to do everything. It's incredible to watch and be a part of. Well, the same holds true for If you're a business owner and you're trying to learn new skills to bring into your business, you you learn them, you get coached to making them, you know, behaviors, and then ultimately you create muscle memory. The brain is a big muscle, and you just start to deliver on those over and over and over again. So I think it's really important for, for people to understand that you don't create mastery just by reading a book. You don't create mastery just by watching a video. You need help in implementing that new skill because most of us, as self-disciplined as we like to think we are, right. we just very seldom. Think about how many times you break your New Year's resolutions to lose weight by the 15th of January. But if you hire a coach, a fitness coach, the statistics prove that an overwhelming majority of people who hire that coach and stick with it for three to six months will actually achieve that weight loss objective.
0: Yeah, there's a lot Duh. to be said for accountability.
1: Oh, it's a three-legged stool, right? Responsibility, authority, and accountability go together. And you take away one, the stool can't stand. It right. falls on its side. And so we, you have to be accountable to somebody. I know in my business, it's hard for me to be accountable to my wife. We're married almost 40 years. I'm accountable to her for a lot of things. But it's hard for me to be accountable to her on a day-to-day basis for what I do in my business. So I have a coach who right. provides to me that accountability on a weekly basis. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's that's really and, – and, and I think military people get it. You know, we get the accountability piece. We think of it often more from a disciplined approach, but we both come from militaries where a lot of people that don't understand the military think it's all about rules. We both come from value-based right. military organizations, the rules are simply there as guideposts when we aren't quite sure what to do. But it's values that drive military organizations in the U.S. and Canada and Britain, you know, the, the sorts of countries that we typically are allied uh,
0: with. And to that point, you know, I think any any good commander, their they're in-state intent for their subordinate leaders and even their subordinates is like they want someone who can go execute with limited to no operational oversight. And to tie that back into what you were saying, like all these things, you said it over and over again. And I don't want it to get lost in translation. It's all a skill. And just like yes. any other skill, you know, uh, we used to say skills are learned in two ways, either mindless repetition or blunt force trauma. That means life kicks you in the yeah. ass. Right. Yes. <laughs> but, it, you know, that's that emotional response you were talking about. And it, but it's true. Like and what happens a lot of times, I think, and, you know, we keep saying how. We we come from organizations where these are just ingrained in us things that we have, and then, but with it being a skill, once you get out, if you're not using that skill all the time, that back planning skill, or or whatever it is that you inculcated so much into your life when you were still active duty, and you come out on the civilian side of it and you quit actively practicing that skill, it's just like any other m- mindset or resiliency skill, you lose it. You know, think about land navigation. You sit in that class, and they <laughs> teach you teach you how to shoot a backass, and they teach you your pace count, teach you all the things you need to know, all the terrain features, all the colors on the map. Then you get out there in the woods, and you get lost, you know, and you get good at it for a little bit. Like, I can tell you, if you, if you are a lieutenant, you are lost, I promise. Um, but yes. then you do it for so long, and you're, you're Johnny on the spot, getting to your points, and then you, you go cold, you're using GPS for two months, and then the next thing you know, you're on a land F course, kicking rocks again, because you didn't use that skill,
1: you absolutely right. And, and, you know, it's like leadership. They, there's a great quote. I think it's, um, it was, um, oh my goodness, Jim Collins who wrote good to great and and a number of other books. I think it was Jim that said, I listened to him on a podcast. He said, leadership cannot be taught, but it can be learned. Right. And it's, it's kind of the mindset, unless you are in the right frame of mind, you can't learn some of these skills. And a, and a business owner must first and foremost be a leader, even if they are the solopreneur, the one man or one woman band. They still have to be the leader in everything they do on a day-to-day basis. And it, it's fascinating. My my company name is actually called Action Leadership. And uh, that, that comes from I spent a year uh, on a technical project management course with the British Army back in 88, 89. And uh, the Brits were going through a really difficult time in terms of how they were managing big, expensive projects. If they wanted to buy a new tank, they'd get three bids, you know, a million a copy, two million a copy, three million a copy. They'd always pick low price compliant, as they called it, and then let the contract get out of control. So they'd end up spending way more than they intended so just before I attended this one year course, they decided to revamp everything in terms of how they manage these big projects. So we had everything from, you know, three and four star generals and civilian equivalents coming to lecture us at the college. And they all kept using that mantra. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And we did all our work in syndicates and there were a number of officers from around the globe, Brits primarily, but we had officers from everywhere. And a fellow sitting beside me, a Royal Australian, Army engineer. And one day I just I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I still have the paper somewhere. He signed it. And I wrote, management is the science of reaction. Leadership is the art of action.
0: Oh, I just want to take a moment of silence for that statement. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of my credo ever since. And that's how I call my company Action Leadership. My, my business coaching is called Take Action, you know, uh, Take Action the Results Business Coaching, because it resonates with me. And I think a lot of our veterans forget that even if even if they were just a squad leader in Afghanistan, they still, you know, had the lives of other men and women as their responsibility. And they learned skills and abilities. If, imagine if you if you could if you did a tour overseas and you got through it, Um, and you manage as a leader to survive or even flourish under the most arduous physical and mental stressors you could ever imagine, don't you think you'd be able to handle a six, eight person company with a little production line and some administrative, right? This should be second nature to you. And I think a lot of our veterans forget that, that, that whole, you know, mission command commander's intent, the idea of being able to operate independently because they understood what, what the plans were. So you start tying together what we talked about earlier, You know, I have a planning process I can teach anyone to help solve any business problem. I can scale it, right? But here's the best part about the planning process that we learned, contingencies. Right. We always ask the what if questions. I'm convinced that if the average business owner a year and a half ago had gone through a planning exercise and literally asked themselves those tough what if questions, many that did not survive COVID would have survived.
0: And, you know, that's what—that's a great point because, you know, when you talk about extrapolating that planning process, like anyone who's been, you know, at the same levels of leadership that you and I shared, like. You can easily do a 30, 60, 90-day plan. You can plan out a fiscal year really easily. And so for us to tell a business owner, entrepreneur, like, hey, where do you want to be in five years and show them how they can back plan that with benchmarks, it's easy. But when you talk about contingency planning, something that, you know, I know we're both familiar with is that continues, like you, first of all, you had several contingency plans and it was all based off of like echelons of, oh crap, right? And that final echelon of, oh, crap, was like, worst case scenario, Mongolian horde, Lord of the flies situation, what do we do? And you had to have a plan for that. And even if it was like, you know, break contact, then that's what you did. But you had a plan for the worst case scenario. And I think so often people, whether it's being naive or just being overly hopeful, sometimes can be a a deterrent, too, is like they don't want to plan for the worst case scenario, and I think last year showed a lot of people, like, that's a slippery slope.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the best laid plans, I, I loved it because I finished a book recently called The Challenger Sale. I forget the two gentlemen that wrote it. But for the first time in a book written by people who had no military background, they actually used terms like mission command right i almost fell off my chair when i was reading it because i went oh my god these guys get it but they actually even said no plan survives first contact with the enemy well if you're a business owner your customers are not your enemy but i can tell you from personal experience as a, as having you know run sales teams and been on thousands of sales calls you can have the best of intention going out into a sales call And it doesn't survive first contact with your customer.
0: But you know, this analogy works so well with your overarching point, because it's one of those things where we're talking about how those skills are translatable, but folks lose the the frame of reference on how to translate it. So we're talking like the verbiage of enemy rather than customer. And so what do we always say? Like when when you're prepping for an operation, like know your enemy. You have to know the terrain. You have to know where they're dug in at. You have to know their capabilities. You have to know what they look like. You have to know everything about them. It's no different when it comes to marketing. Know your target audience. What do they want to see? What do they want to hear? What are they looking for? It's the same approach, just different verbiage.
1: It's amazing. Um, I, I, I have one slide that I use with with at every opportunity I get. I call it my thirty thousand foot view slide, and it's it's it starts with what you just said. Who is your ideal customer? It's amazing to me how few business owners can. Meticulously describe who they're actually trying to sell their product or service to. They just they and because if you don't have that, Dean Grazioli has a wonderful uh, this the definition of marketing. He goes, "Marketing is attracting the people you want to sell to, and repelling everybody else." Right. Because the last thing you want to do is spend your limited resources, whether it's time, money, staff, whatever it is. You don't want to be spending any of that. On the wrong people. Right. And if you don't know your in our jargon, the army's the enemy, if you don't completely understand who your target is, you're just going to end up wasting a tremendous amount of time, energy, and worst case money that you never get back. You can't. We, we used
0: to call that collateral damage, right? Exactly.
1: Yes, yes. And but it, it comes down as again to that contingent planning. We don't know exactly how the customer is going to react or the prospect is going to react. But to me, I, I have it in my sales training. I call it my four pillars. But one of my pillars is what I call plan meticulously, execute flawlessly. So how do we translate plans into better execution? And this is another thing that we learned and we did all the time. And I almost never see business owners do it. I don't know what you called it. We like to call it the hot wash up or the post-exercise review Instantly, when, you know, the CO said, okay, exercise, stand down.
0: Yep, index is instantly, done. Instantly,
1: you gather people right from, you know, sections right up to platoons. and it, uh, There's and you a brigade level
0: uh, one that happens, you know, depending on the size yeah, of the operation. You do,
1: them, you do them instantly because everybody's memories are very fresh. Then you turn around, maybe, you know, the senior folks will get engaged more detailed later. The staff will do fancy reports. But I've never actually seen a business owner sit down and say, okay, made a plan. I went down a path. It didn't work. What they tend to say is I'm never going to do that again. Instead, what they should be saying is what mistakes did I make and how can I do it better
0: next time? Do you want to know what I think part of the reason you don't see that so much is we used to call them after action reviews. And after action reviews, AAR's And right. it would be, you know, at whatever level. So let's say just for the sake of argument, we're doing a, a squad level AAR. And we would say, okay, from the lowest level soldier to the highest ranking soldier, what went wrong, what went right? And I see, at least in my practice, a lot of times there's an element of ego where they don't want to hear from their subordinates what went wrong. But you and I both know that private on the ground, turning the wrenches, digging the foxholes, shooting the enemy. Those are the doers. Those are the ones who know where it got broken in the first place. And if you can fix the root cause, root, root cause analysis weird then that is going to save you in the long run. But I people don't want to hear from that level. Oh, I'm above that. I don't need to hear that. Yeah, you do, man. That's where it's broken.
1: Yeah, and and, and I learned a valuable lesson years ago. I was in business, one of my first businesses. I was in business with my father. My dad was, is a retired Air Force warrant officer. At the time we were in business, I... I, don't, I wasn't even back in the reserves yet, but I had left the Canadian Army regular force as a major. And, and, you know, we had a great relationship, but we had a little business together, and we were having some issues in the business. And we had to sit down and have one of those conversations. And I was, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I do this? And you've heard the old term, oh, strictly business, nothing personal.
0: Sure. Good now, luck.
1: <laughs> well, what I did was I came up with a really great strategy. I actually took a clean piece of paper and I just drew a line down it. And I wrote personal on one side and I wrote business on the other. And I said, dad, you're my dad. I love you. But for the next few minutes, we need to be on this side of the page. We just right. need to have an open and honest conversation. Are you good with that? He goes, yes. And so we hashed it out probably for half an hour. We made some decisions. We agreed on them. And when we were done, I said, are we good? He goes, we're good. I said, okay, back on the personal side, you're my dad. Give me a hug. Let's have a beer. Right. And, you know, it took all of that concern about ego and rank and all of that crap. It just took it completely off the table. And that's hard to do for a lot of people. But you're right. It's absolutely critical. You need to get down to the grassroots and identify where things didn't work. That doesn't mean somebody's challenging your plan. It might have just been somebody goofed in execution, which says, hey, now sure. I've got a training, it's a training opportunity. It identifies things that you can do in your business. The other lesson I teach people about marketing is you've got to have stamina. The one thing that we really were good at in the military was monitor, measure, adjust, and adapt. Isn't that right. we always talked about? You've got to be able to adapt on the fly. When, when, uh, when, when, when everything goes to hell in a handbasket, you can't just stand there. I mean, I did a fun video. I said, when you're faced with a dilemma, you know, think about a, a biz, your business being ambushed. Right. What's the first thing we're taught in the military when you're ambushed is charge the ambush.
0: Yeah, return fire. If you
1: just, if you just go to ground in the kill zone, guess what? You're done. If that was a well-laid ambush, you're done. You're toast. Yeah. Let, letters are going out to your loved ones. Business needs to think of it the same way. When you're faced with a really serious challenge, you know, don't just drop tools and give up. This is where you need to get highly focused and figure out how do I attack this problem? It's like the movie The Martian. He just says at the end of the movie, he said, you do the math. You solve one problem, then you solve the next problem. And if you solve enough problems, you'll live. And in a business sense, we were taught in the military things like attack the ambush. So take that skill into your business. When you have a problem, face it. Take whatever advice you can from whoever you're surrounded by and consider it. And you, you don't know not have like to agree with it.
0: That but consider it. That taking the advice, it, it's something I actually had a, a whole other podcast about this, but it's something you'll relate to. You know, think about those times where you're conducting that raid at two o'clock in the morning, and it's what we used to call a dry hole. Like the target's not there. There's nothing there. Uh, but there and so you can get caught in that crap my plan didn't go the way I wanted it to you can get stuck in that catastrophic mindset and every all this planning all of it was for nothing but if you keep your eyes peeled you're going to see some actionable intel you know Mm -hmm. you might have a little boy come up to you and say hey mister they're actually like a block away like something is there to put you back on track but if you get stuck in that we'll screw it all mindset you know and because that just that disenfranchises your team it it hurts the trust that you've got there and you're not listening to your subordinates. You're not listening to people on your team to tell you like, no, no, no. Like they're saying they're right here. Like actionable Intel can drive you forward and push you through that. Oh, it didn't work out. Cause that can, that's such a brief moment in time if you'll just stay open to listening and receiving information.
1: You just hit on something that's really critical. And I've seen this in in small business. And again, it's a skill set we learned in the military. You will never have all the information you need to make the decision no way you have to go with the information you have and based on your experience your training your judgment and everything else that's layered into it you make the best decision you possibly can the beauty about most business decisions is there's typically not life or death associated with them potentially of the business but not of people
0: right exactly
1: you tend to have more time you should be able to use that time to collaborate to try and get more info but don't get What's the term that the uh, paralysis by analysis? Right, right. Indecision is one of the worst things. I think people are better off making a decision, acting on the decision, and if it was the wrong decision, be prepared to change it later or change something about it later. But I also see too many small business owners; they just won't take action because they don't feel like they have all the information, and I constantly remind them. Even the vet even some that I work with have no background as veterans to say you will never have all the information. But you knew you do need to be able to adjust and adapt. That's the whole issue. You know, measure, monitor, measure, adjust, and adapt. As new information comes in, feed it into your decision cycle, your planning cycle, and say, do I need to make a new decision? We've seen a ton of that with COVID, right? Right. Masks on, masks off at the very <laughs> beginning. They didn't quite know, but as the science developed, but people were looking back and still blaming some of the science, the medical community for calls they made in March and April last year when they had such little information. Right. They weren't in a position to make great calls. Now it's a different story. But well, in just like a business
0: people. or a battle space, you know, that virus is a great example because this one in particular, it was changing. It was very asymmetrical. You couldn't get a beat on what it was doing. And if you're starting a new business just like in a combat environment, like it's going to be asymmetrical. Things are going to change. Things are going to flex and you have to be able to flex with those and not like you're saying, not blame the decisions of a year ago, not blame the decisions of two minutes ago, but focus on what we can do that's actionable right now.
1: Exactly. That's, that's really the key. Here's, I, I have a sales truth. Um, you, and, and, and anybody who has been in sales knows this, but you can't control your results. Right? You can do the most spectacular job of taking a lead, turning them into a suspect, identifying an opportunity and they're now a prospect, giving them the best proposal, you know the decision maker, you know the timing, you know the budget, you nailed it, you did it perfectly and they didn't buy from you. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. Sure. I go so far as to say you can stick that horse's head underwater. They don't want to drink, it'll time right.
0: first. Right.
1: And customers are like that. Business is like that. You can't control the results. But what you hit on was right on the head. You can control the actionable activities that lead to results. Too many people get focused on the result and forget that what they have total control of is how well they do those actionable activities. That's where they need to spend their time and energy. Getting good in tiny little increments.
0: I mean, you know what's crazy is we keep on falling back on it, but I think it's just because there's so much we can draw from it. Think about those field training exercises you went on where it just, I mean, it was a soup sandwich from start to finish. Nothing went right for whatever particular portion of it. And as a leader, you can get down in the dumps on that. But realistically, like I can reflect on a few, you know, field operations that were just catastrophic. It was just awful. And looking at it going, man, we learned – so much about what never to do again and how to improve. Like people tend to look at those things as failures rather than like improvement opportunities. Like you get a chance to do it so much better next time because of all the stuff you just learned from it, just going totally sideways. That's awesome.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I've never met a successful business person, whether they owned a business or just really highly successful in their corporate careers. Um, that didn't really suffer a number of setbacks along the way. And it was really their ability to learn from those setbacks that made the difference. They're going to happen. Failure, failure to me is a learning opportunity, right? But Failure and success both live in the same, in the same space. And it's how well you adjust and adapt to those circumstances that really define who you are. I mean, the old adage, if you're going to fall down, tr- make sure you flip over on your back because if you can look up, you can get up.
0: Right, right.
1: Right? And that's really the key. It's, um, and, and we always hear these and people think of them as, oh, those are, that's a great rags to riches story. But the reality is anybody that has any definable success in their life can probably point to a few times, a few aha moments, or a few very unique things that happened to them that pulled them out and gave them the tenacity, the perseverance, the will, whatever it was. You talk about, ever talk to people that have have suffered, you know, near-death experiences, whether it's, you know, trauma or things like cancer, and they always come back very different people because they've recognized just how fleeting and valuable life is, and they're not ever going to waste another moment whether it was for philanthropic endeavors, family matters or business, it doesn't matter. They just have an entirely new focus on what's truly important. And, and again, we learned all these things in the military but we forget to bring them with us when we come into our civilian world. Uh, and we don't, have to, we don't have to make a big deal of the fact that we're veterans
0: no, I think most of us, in fact, besides having a little bit of flair behind us, like you do there too, like I don't wear a shirt every day. I re- I I will never say I'm a veteran for a discount. Like I just it it's yeah. who I was, it's not who I am today. It qualifies me. It doesn't quantify me. If that makes sense.
1: I hear you. No, it's true, and 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 uh, I, I I think I think really the key, Travis, for for our the folks listening today is just to recognize that boy, I don't care what you did in the service. I don't care how long you did it for. You learned some very unique skills and you learned stuff about yourself that if you just take those lessons and consider them life lessons and you bring all the best parts of those with you into whatever endeavor it is now is in front of you, it will only make you better. It will only accelerate whatever success you're trying to achieve. By, by embracing those lessons and leveraging them now for the good things that you can do in your business and and their core and, and the values too I don't want I don't want I don't want to lose sight of this you know think of the values I, I know for me you know one of my core values and, and I think all is service before self sure yep I truly believe philosophically that if I help enough other people get what they want I'll be fine
0: yeah.
1: And really have that giver mentality. How can I help somebody have a better day?
0: You know, it's crazy. And I, I say it quite a bit, but I, you know, it's absolutely true is when you show up, because we we both come from an environment where selfless service is paramount. Like your soldiers eat before you, they call home before you, they write a letter before you, they sleep before you, everything before you. And when you transpose that into the civilian sector and just life in general, this isn't just for military folks. I want everyone to hear this. Like when you show up to give you will be blown away by how much you get in return. And it's not always yeah. necessarily monetary, but you're going to have a better life, I promise.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and and you know, those values that we learned in the military, we also, you know, subscribe to a higher level of ethics. And we could have a fun conversation all day about the <laughs> difference between ethics and morality. I don't want to go down that path. Big difference. but But, you know, We we tend, for the most part, uh, veterans tend to have a higher set of values and we tend to be very ethically strong. And don't forget about that. As you're building the culture in your business, think about all of the great things that created culture in the military. Not everything we did we liked. There were a lot of things that happened to us in the military we didn't want any part of. We saw terrible examples of leadership. We also saw incredible examples of leadership. So model what you do after the great examples that you, you know, were able to benefit from in your service days. And there's nothing more powerful than the two people in a foxhole relationship, right? Right. It's like the, the, you don't, so many, our whole regimental system in the Canadian military based on the British model was beside you was, you know, a neighbor.
0: Right, right
1: right and and you do more for your buddies than you will for yourself well bring that same philosophy to your business and don't look at them as employees look at them as teammates and as long as everybody knows who the boss is you know one of the things that drives me nuts about tv is when you see people on tv go that's an order well i don't know about you but in my whole career i can never remember ever having to say that because not ever
0: has it been said with any kind of seriousness behind it. I've heard it said in jest and we're like, oh, okay, shut up, sir. Like, No yeah. one's listening to you now.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, but the key thing to me is I'm mean, gonna have to tell somebody I'm the boss. I have just
0: failed completely. As a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Right?
1: And 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 people know, I mean, I, I remember when I served uh, overseas with the Brits, the Brits had a very much more casual relationship between officers, majors and captains would be on a first name basis. I remember we were at a training area in Germany, and a British battalion was there at the same time as uh, I was with the Second Patricius. And we'd come out after morning PT, and we'd get our day started. And I never ever saw the young British platoon commanders; only the staff sergeant responsible for the platoon. And one day I said, "Staff, where's your where's your platoon commander?" And he had a great line. He said, "He knows to be where the shooting when the shooting starts." <laughs> Until then, this is my 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 my, my yeah. platoon. But they understood and respected who the boss was, and and they just got on with it. And I think in a in a civilian context, people really get hung up over this idea. It doesn't have to be. You really all, if you build the culture correctly for your business, everybody is on the same page, and you're all trying to accomplish the same objective. And you bring to the business, those skills and abilities, you learn how to do this over and over and over and over again, you should embrace those lessons and try and bring as many of them into your business as possible. And you can just, it can be incredible.
0: Absolutely. You know, and I, just to caveat on that point, like I, when I was in positions of authority, um, you know, I, I feel like there's something powerful when you build a team where it feels like you all work together rather than anyone works for someone. And so it was real easy for me to sit down and play spades with my platoon and then mm-hmm. still be like, okay, now daddy's in charge again, go do what I said. And they don't, if you do it right, there's never, no one raises an eyebrow. Like, okay, Roger that. And off they go. No big deal.
1: Yeah. There it, it, it was this big hang up familiarity breeds contempt.
0: Not, uh, not no. It, what's crazy it, it about it that. It's so it can, and it, you can, you can cross some lines into like fraternization if you're not careful, but, You know, something that I found is if I stood in front of my platoon on a Monday, like the more I know these soldiers, the more I can control the vibe of the entire organization. And so if I see, you know, second rank, third over has got a funky look on his face. I'm like, hey, killer, what's going on today? Oh, so-and-so with the wife, so-and-so with the car, X, Y, and Z, right? I don't have to address it. Nothing I can really control. I put him in in touch with resources if he needs them. But then by Wednesday, if I'm like, hey, dude, how's X, Y, and Z doing? Blown away. Blown away that I remembered blown away if I knew his wife's first name, if I know their anniversary, when you show people you care about them as an individual, they will jump through flaming hoops over shark tanks for you in a heartbeat. They don't question who's in charge. It's a different kind of loyalty.
1: I, I heard this quote for the first time, and I, I, you'll, you'll never guess where it came from, but she actually uh, said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care.
0: That's a fact.
1: That was Mary Kay Ash, the founder of Mary Kay Really? Wow. That's what she used to teach the girl, the lady. My wife was a Mary Kay, and I went to one of their conventions. It was just blown away by the amount of incredible personal development effort. But you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe you've heard this. People will do more for recognition than for money.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right. And, and I the example I give is, you know, thinking your last paycheck, you open it and you look at it and go, that's nice. Well then think about the last time someone that you respected came up and just said, Thank you, Travis. Sure. You did a great job. You made a difference today. How did that make you feel?
0: But you know, I, I've seen it in my practice, I'm sure you've seen it in yours, where where people will leave a job for another position making less money. They're not leaving the company, they're leaving that toxic leader.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's the number one, it's the number one reason why people tend to leave jobs is they, they gotta get they they want to fire their boss.
0: Right, exactly. You know?
1: And it's it's unfortunate. But, you know, we've seen too many examples. I, I, I talked earlier about my sort of credo, you know, management is a science of reaction. Leadership is the art of action. You know, I, I encourage people to be, you have to be a manager, but you need you need more to be a leader. And there, there are different skills. There's different contexts. Um, some people are really good at both, but the reality is most are not. And I I think that business owners, first and foremost, should set themselves up as leaders, you know, build the systems that run your business, hire the right people to run those systems for you. That's where managers come in. And then you lead those people. But if you first and foremost think of yourself as a manager, you're just from you're in, you know. You got the wrong headspace and timing. I don't remember a lot about, you know, heavy machine guns. But I'm really so glad
0: it. that that reference, there are people you, still serving who have no idea what that means because they got rid of it.
1: If, if you, if you, if you've got a headspace and timing problem, your, your machine gun won't fire. Well, neither will you, if you've got a headspace right. and timing problem up here. I think first and foremost, it truly is about mindset. People think that that's the soft, squishy stuff, but if you don't come to your business with that mindset, understanding what it is you're truly trying to accomplish. And I really ask people, what do you want? When do you want it by? And what are you prepared to do to get it? And if you can answer those three fundamental questions, you've now literally, without even knowing it, you've built the core of a strategic
0: plan. Right.
1: Because everything else will flow from that. And we get so busy being busy, we forget why we're doing it because if you don't have an emotional bond to what it is you're trying to do it's like we talk about the mastery continuum if you don't create that emotional connection to what you learned intellectually you will never be able to deliver on that knowledge in an effective way knowledge is not power knowledge only gives you the ability to create power and momentum I I went to the equivalent of your West Point at military college. I have a physics degree. And the only thing I remember is <laughs> P equals MV. Momentum equals mass times velocity. Right. You need to create critical mass in your business. And the faster you do it, the more momentum you create, the longer it will be sustained, the more success you have. But it all comes back to that mindset that you set up at the beginning of your business. Um, Zig Ziglar famous for it's not your – uh, it's not your altitude, no, it's not your aptitude, it's your attitude that determines your altitude.
0: Right. Alliteration <laughs> at its thing. finest.
1: Yeah, so it's, you know, I, I I keep coming back to Travis, but you know, the I, I, I spend a lot of time talking to small business owners. I talk to a lot of veterans, whether they're business owners or not. I help a lot of them find new positions. I help them with their networking when I can, and Really, for me, it's a constant conversation, and it's probably a bit tired, but the good news is I'm talking to a whole bunch of different people about it, but it's let's go back and identify what were those core skills and abilities that you learned in your service days, and how can we layer them on top of who you are and what you are now to help you move forward in whatever it is you want to become or to do? And I, I think too many veterans just lose sight of what those core skills were. But like you said earlier, you must practice them or they fade. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you just, I mean, if you put me in front of a a lot of weapons these days, I couldn't them to save my life without a lot of trial and error because I haven't handled them for years. Right. But it, it's a skill, but it fades over time. That that's, that's, Leadership skills fade over time, sales skills fade over time, management skills fade over time, all of those skills fade. And so I encourage our veteran community or anybody that's listening to your podcast to, to, to kind of take an assessment of where you're, what your skills are, what you're really good at. But don't be afraid to go out and ask for help to be able to build on those skills, reinforce them, turn them from just intellectual to emotional and then potentially get to that third layer of physical mastery when you, you know, Tiger, at the end of his playing days, Michael Jordan, yeah, he played for a a coach, you know, the coach of the team, but he wasn't getting coached day in day out on how he executed his, he was getting coached on how the team worked together. And he probably was providing a lot of that coaching on the floor the reality is once you get past that emotional mastery towards the physical mastery, you don't need coaching on a weekend or month in basis, but you do need a coach to help you get from the intellectual to where you feel you now have physical mastery. And that's where you and I fit in, in helping people. And, and the other thing that business owners, you know, um, there were studies done that suggested that, you know, well, this is a known fact. Most businesses won't make it 10 years. 90% right. will fail inside 10 years. And one of the four fundamental reasons that they fail is because people don't ask for help.
0: Right. when They need it.
1: Right. You know, uh, I, I'm coaching a guy right now. He's a welder. He does this really cool stuff. It's a fusion of, of steel and wood for furniture. It's really fun. He's a vet. Really great stuff. It's really exciting stuff. But... Nowhere along the line was he ever taught how to run a business. Right. I know nothing about welding. I'd probably burn the building down <laughs> if you put a welding torch in my hand. I don't need to know anything about welding because I understand business best practices. So you combine the technical or or whatever skill set the business owner brings to the table, even well, think of think of even. People that have been in school for eight, nine, 10 years and have this many initials after their name, their therapists, their chiropractors, their dentists, whatever they are in their professional capacity. Again, they don't get taught how to run a business. No, no. Right. And, And I could never have a conversation with them about what they do at an intellectual level. But I can't have a conversation with them. And I'll, here's the best part. Most of these people are deathly afraid of sales and marketing. <laughs> you know, sell is a really bad four-letter word. Right. Well, it only is if you don't understand how it all fits. People think if I go to school, get a degree, get a secondary degree, or I've got a trade and I'm a really great welder, electrician, plumber, whatever the case may be, or I'm a great chef and I want to start a restaurant, if I just hang out a sign, I'm going to, I'm going to get rich.
0: Field of dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. Exactly. No, they the won't. truth is it won't. <laughs> nope. And so
1: go get the help. That's my advice to people. Get the help. Look at coaching, for example, if you look at it as an expense item, you won't work for you. Look at it as an investment and you deserve a return on that investment. But I'll be brutally honest. Coaching isn't really fin- financially expensive. If you're not prepared to invest the time and energy in yes. working with that coach, Forget
0: the money. It's irrelevant. It takes us back to your stool though. I mean, by and large, like, yeah, we've got a ton of skill set stuff we can give you. We got a ton of mindset stuff we can give you, ton of resiliency skills we can help you with, planning skills, all that great stuff. But at the end of the day, like I if you work with me, as I'm sure is the same with you, like you're gonna have homework every week. Every week. And I'm gonna hold you accountable. If you fail to do it, we're gonna have that's gonna we're not even gonna talk about wins until we talk about why we didn't do that because and the point is, there's a there's a root cause there as well. There's something that got in your way of you achieving your goals, and one of those goals being the homework. And so, I think the big takeaway I want to share, and it's something that I know that you agree with, is like working with a coach is not like it's not woo woo. It's not a it's not kumbaya moments. It's work. It's work, and it's accountability partner. You know.
1: Oh, and what's really funny is, I mean, just think about. The, the people that, especially if you tend like me to work, or, and you've had a lot of associated with veterans, um, the coach has to be the alpha in the room. right? And that's hard for business owners. I mean, a lot of people want to be business owners because they don't want a boss. Remember, a boss sure. backwards is just a double SOB. <laughs> and, and we talked earlier about you fire your boss. They want that independence. They want that total control. But the reality is the coach should be seen kind of like the chairman of the board. Right, but he doesn't have an interest in the profits that come from the business, other than helping them grow. Right, helping the business be more successful, whether that's making money, creating time, creating freedom, whatever it is that the business owner is after. But that relationship between you know, and you've done lots of coaching, and that relationship is all about accountability. Getting that business owner to do what they need to do, but most importantly, because they want to do it. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with at this stage of my life is I'm doing this because I really want to, I don't need to, I want to, and I get to choose the clients I work with. Yes, 100%. I, 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 I've, been, I've been in sales for a long time, almost 30 years, and I guess to some extent I was like a lot of salespeople. I felt I was in the convincing business. Right. When it comes to coaching, I don't want to be in the convincing
0: business. No. I
1: only want to work with people that want – to be successful and are prepared to put in the time and the energy. Quite frankly, the coaching fees are, are irrelevant. Most good coaches offer some kind of guarantee, probably will build in the first three to six months enough net new revenue to more than pay for coaching. It's not about what it costs to be coached, it's about what you need to put into it to be right. successful on the back end of the coaching. And and that's, that's I think, the key message. And along the way, um, the other thing I've learned is how you operate in your business is how you operate in your life.
0: yep, definitely.
1: The same beha- behaviors and habits that you exhibit in your business, they really exist in your broader life, especially the small business owner. Sure, because that for many, you know it almost is their life. and uh, and it's really important that they start to see the bigger picture. They didn't buy a job. That's not what they wanted. They, right. they, they, they want a lifestyle. They want something. It's up to us to help them identify what that is. Like I say, what do you want? When do you want it by? What are you prepared to do to get it? And then help them put in place the plans and strategies and behaviors that will allow them to get there. It, but no microwave, right? This right. isn't happening right. overnight. This, I don't ask my clients for a contract. I ask them for an engagement. But the reality is, it's going to take typically six, nine, twelve, eighteen months to have a significant impact on any small business owner that's trying to do something special with their business. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, there could, there should be exit strategies. Uh, but for the most part, if they don't go into it with that mindset, I don't, and I'm sure you've seen this in your in your career, it, it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. No. But, you know, that that is a, a key indicator of if if you can't do this, if you can't devote the time to do this piece, what makes you think your overall business is going to be any different? So, exactly. The well, the, de-
1: the definition of insanity, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So if folks are looking to work with you, tell them one more time where they can find you.
1: Oh, I'm easy to find. Uh, my business name is Take Action Results Business Coaching. So my website is takeactionresults.com, all one word. Lots of resources there. I've got a blog with lots of great free giveaway material. I host webinars every, you know, three to four weeks where there's no sales pitch. It's just I try and give business owners some great information that they can immediately implement in their business. And if they're interested in having a conversation with me, my calendar's on my website. What I like to do is like a 15 to 20 minute phone call, actually a phone call. Right. Right. Just, just chat. Tell me, tell me about your business. Tell me what's working really well. What, what are you excited about? Even great businesses have a couple of underlying issues. So, where would you like to see improvements? We drill down on that, and I turn around typically and say, okay, well, let's let me show you a couple of things you can do to overcome those challenges. Let's schedule a one-hour virtual meeting three, five, seven days from now. Give me time to prepare, and I give them that one-hour complimentary coaching to show them how to address those problems they've right. got. And if they want, at that point, we can have a conversation about turning it into a coaching relationship. If not, they walk away with immediately, well, we talked about this earlier, immediately actionable things that they yes, can do in definitely. their business. Whether they choose to work with me on a longer term basis, no big deal. It is what it is. Um, but they will definitely get value. So it's a simple process. It's There's no risk. There's no obligation. And it just all starts with, a phone call, attend a webinar, send me a note. I'm easy to find through takeactionresults.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Wayne, I appreciate you coming on, sir. Uh, great conversation. Glad to see we can keep the, the Canadian and American forces together post-service.
1: Absolutely, Travis. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully when all this is over, if we find ourselves in the same spot, it'd be great to sit down uh, for a beer and a burger and uh, and a handshake.
0: Tell a bunch of lies and war stories, right?
1: Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Scars and t-shirts, man. Scars
0: and t-shirts. All right, Wayne. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks. There you have it. That was the show. Didn't I say that was an awesome one? Uh, You know, it's not every day that I meet someone with as much passion about planning as me. And so That was one of those conversations like we probably could have kept going three or four hours, um, but I know that you guys have stuff to do. So we didn't because we respect your time, Uh, but check him out. Check out TakeActionResults.com. Hey, also, if you guys want to be a guest on the show, because I know a lot of you are rock stars and have awesome things you're doing. Head over to AboveAverageLeadership.com. Click on the podcast link. There is actually a spot there that you can submit a request to be on the show. Like it's a real thing. I will really see it. Uh, probably secondhand. I'm sure my producer will see it first because that's what he does. But check that out. If you've got a cool story, if you're an entrepreneur, or solopreneur, just have something amazing to share, hit me up because it's my show and I get to pick. So hope you guys enjoy the show and I will talk to you next time.